When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. The Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN starts now. Well, hello there. Isn't this a nice surprise? We have not done this in a while. In our usual, normal, familiar spot. What a treat this is. Oh, can't you just feel it? The music, the excitement. It's like we never left. What is going on, everybody? Dan Gross' show. Yes, the Dan Gross' show. We are back, live and in living color, in our spot. And we're going to be here all week, as a matter of fact. That's right. You could kick up your legs, take your shoes off. Maybe get a drink from the refrigerator and just chill out for the next five days. This is where we're going to be. Keep your company. Lock it in. Well, you know what? Wait, wait, wait. Time out, time out, time out. I kind of lied. Kind of. I mean, technically speaking, this is where I'm going to be for the next week. However, it's not just five days worth of shows because I think, you know, if you keep up with things on Thursday night, we got our first Jets game, right? Jets, Brownies. Hall of Fame game, Canton, Ohio. Our coverage will begin at 7 o'clock. So it'll be me and Greg on the pregame show, but you got me still at 7 o'clock. It's just going to be a little bit of a different format because Jets kick off the preseason. We look forward to that. But nevertheless, we are here. We are back. I had to look it up. I had to go deep into the archives, believe it or not. The last time that you and I, that we were together in this spot for our show was June the 29th. That is over a month. Since we did one of these things. So hopefully we'll make the most out of it here over the next few days. At 800-919-3776, that is our telephone number. At Dan Grasso, if you want to get me on Twitter. We've got Harvey. We've got Joe. We've got the Dream Team. We are back together. We are reunited. Funny thing about it is, though, nobody told me that we were going to be reunited tonight. I got, it's funny. You would think that they'd give me a heads up as to who I'd be working with tonight, but they don't tell me these things. I have to kind of like be surprised when I sit down to do the show. Who's here working? And then I find out. But whatever. It is what it is. We're going to make it work. And a fun time if you're a baseball fan. Maybe not so much if you root for one of the two teams in this city, which probably the overwhelming majority of you do. Because, you know, the Mets and the Yankees, they have their own interesting tales to tell. I think that's quite obvious, right? We play over 100 games already. And we got the trade deadline coming up tomorrow. 23 hours from now exactly is when we have the trade deadline, 6 p.m. Eastern. Teams are going to be able to make their final touches on either what they hope is a push to the postseason, which will result in October glory, or they took that long, hard look in the mirror. Maybe for some teams it wasn't really all that hard of a look, and they realized, you know what? Just not going to happen for us this year. And the Mets are one of those teams, right? The Mets had the come-to-Jesus moment, and they said, it ain't going to be our year. 
And yeah, there was a lot of indications all throughout the season that it wasn't going to fire for them. It didn't. And I think they're doing the right thing. And if you're just joining us now and if you're just turning on the radio and you haven't kept up with the news today, Mets got another move in within the last hour. Mark Canna sent to the Milwaukee Brewers for a minor league pitcher, which is, again, really not all that big of a surprise. You expected him to also be one of the next dominoes to fall there. So Mets are not done selling. you got to figure that there's going to be another move or two before 6 o'clock tomorrow. You know the usual suspects, Tommy Pham, Justin Verlander. We'll see what type of return they could possibly get for them if they indeed to find a deal that could be suitable for the future of this franchise. But we'll get to the Mets a little bit. Jim Duquette is going to join us, our good buddy, former Met GM, and you hear him on MLB Network Radio, you see him on SNY and the like. He'll talk a little trade deadline with us coming up at 745, and look, the moves have not stopped. They really haven't, all day, and they're coming down here as we speak. I'm sure we're going to get some over the next few hours, so keep it tuned here, and we'll get you up to date on some of the big moves that could alter the pennant races here as we get closer to the postseason. But we got to start with the Yankees. I, I, I think that's the place to start. Well, a couple of reasons. One, they're playing tonight, which is important, of course, and they kick off another big series for them against another division opponent, the Tampa Bay Rays, at Yankee Stadium. And Tampa Bay, look, Tampa Bay is not the juggernaut right now that they were for the first two, three months of the season. They're actually one of the poorer teams record-wise in the month of July across Major League Baseball. They made an interesting move a little bit earlier this afternoon. They did a little wheeling and dealing with the Cleveland Guardians, a matter of fact. They required Aaron Savali, who's a solid starter, solid middle-of-the-rotation starter from Cleveland, still controllable for a couple of more years, battled some injuries. They gave up a minor league power-hitting first baseman who's going to go to Cleveland side. So Tampa realizes, you know, we got to do something to change things up a little bit here. And there have been other contenders in the American League who have done the same as well over the last couple of days, whether it's Texas, whether it's the Angels, whether it's the Blue Jays. But forget about trades. Forget about how the roster could look differently. We got to talk about what the reality is right now for the Yankees. And the reality is this is a team that I don't think is very scary, to be quite honest with you. I really don't. And you're reminded of that again over the weekend in Baltimore, which I don't want to call it a lost weekend, but when you're trying to play catch-up like the Yankees are, and when technically you're sitting in last place in the American League East, you can't afford to have too many more of these weekends because you know what? You're running out of opportunities to try to make amends for what has been very spotty play for the first four months of the season. You've got some ground to make up. And losing two out of three to a team that you are now looking up at, remember, this ain't the olden days. This ain't even the last few years where the Baltimore Orioles are the laughing stock of Major League Baseball and they're a punching bag and the Yankees are just going to go down there and beat them up. We know that is not the case anymore because it was Baltimore more than anybody else who was doing the dictating of the play in that series. And last night, I know that you've heard a lot about it here, but Judge not in the lineup. You know, you get all excited waiting to see him make his return on Friday after missing close to two months. He's in there Friday. He's in there Saturday. And then Sunday, rubber match of the series, trying to win two games in a row, trying to capitalize on a performance on Saturday in which Judge was one of the starring roles in that performance, right? Hit one out of the yard, started to get his swing back. All right, let's see him build a little bit of confidence here. Continue to work that rust off. Here we go. No, they sit him. They sit him. And I get it. Right? We know the Yankees are very, very analytically driven. Very stubborn when it comes to that stuff. And I know that they're in the midst of a stretch of 13 straight games without a day off. I get it. Why the hell can't Aaron Judge be in the lineup? 
Why? He can't even DH? Because you know something? You don't want to get him on his feet, or you want to get him off his feet. Meantime, he's in the dugout standing up against the top step and, and, and up against the railing. If he's supposed to be off his feet, why don't you have Aaron Judge in the clubhouse? Literally sitting in a lazy boy in the recliner, sitting in the trainer's room. To me, it makes absolutely no sense. Remember, Judge got hurt in the flukiest of flukiest of manners that you can ever possibly fathom on a baseball field. Dodger Stadium has been open for, what, well over 60 years or close to it, right? And nobody has ever gotten injured in the manner in which Aaron Judge did that night when he ran through the fence making that catch and he stubbed his toe on that kind of bottom concrete little step-up thing they have there to separate the field from the fence. Because the Dodgers then had to react after decades of being open and say, well, you know, we got to change that. We didn't think that it was a safety hazard, but apparently it is. So once in a million chance, Aaron Judge is the one to get hurt. And because the Yankees think that, you know what, maybe he'll get struck by lightning again, another one in a million over the next 50, 60 games, whatever it is, we got to rest him. Even though we're playing an extremely important game against a division opponent, Teams that we have to start beating if we want to get back in the race, and they don't put them in. I, I, for the life of me, I don't figure. I, I, I cannot figure it out. I can't. Why don't you rest him in Chicago next week? Make sure he's out there all three games against Baltimore. Make sure he's out there all three games against Tampa Bay. Houston coming in this weekend. Same thing. You're chasing them. Get your best players in the lineup. If not, why in God's name did you give this guy $362 million? Explain that to me. Explain it. Tell me. Why did you give him all that money if you're going to sit there and coddle him and baby him when he's finally healthy enough to play? These are important games. You don't get to make up the games that Aaron Judge missed and your lineup was lifeless. You don't get to play those games again in November and December. You don't get a do-over. It's not how this thing works. But you know what? Judge or no judge in the lineup. And this is the same thing we've kind of been lamenting all season long when it comes to the Yankees here. 18 freaking strikeouts, really? 18 strikeouts. There's 27 outs in a game. Two-thirds of the Yankees outs in that game last night were whiffs. Five of them by Anthony Rizzo. But you know what? Lineup aside. And the offensive woes aside. It ain't going to mean a damn thing, and it doesn't mean anything if you have Luis Severino out there every five days giving you non-competitive outings. And that's where he's at right now. I'm so glad that after the game, Severino said that right now he's the worst pitcher in baseball because I, I, I challenge you to find somebody any worse. Really. You, it's almost like you have no chance to win when he takes the ball. And the Yankees find themselves down 2 nothing already in the top of the first inning before you're even in your seats, before you even get through the beer line and the hot dog line. Johnny Brito has served up a two-run shot to Brandon Lau. It's a good thing Judge is in the lineup tonight, so maybe they got a chance to come back from an early deficit here. Hopefully, hopefully Brito doesn't put up a touchdown like Severino did in that first inning. Thank goodness the Orioles showed some sportsmanship in that first inning and went for the extra point instead of going for two. But seven runs in the first inning. I mean, the game's over. You could be one of the greatest offenses in the history of baseball. You give up seven in the first, you're done. It's over, finished. And Severino now, three of the last five games, he's given up seven or more runs. You can't keep giving the ball to this guy. It's a meritocracy. And when Nestor Cortez is back in a couple of weeks, you tell me, who's the guy that should get axed from the rotation? Don't you think it's this guy? The guy who's pitching to an 11 ERA in the month of July? 
So Severino says he's the worst pitcher in the league. Right now, Anthony Rizzo's swinging the bat like he's the worst position player in the league. So the Yankees got a lot going for him right now. They got the worst pitcher and the worst position player. And you want to be buyers at the trade deadline like that's going to fix things? What an absolute mess. Domingo Herman's armpit is bothering him tonight. That's why Brito's pitching. You know what? If you're a Yankee fan, a heck of a lot more than your armpit is bothering you right now, watching this team play the last couple of days. I could promise you that. Never thought in a million years at the beginning of the season that we would be sitting here on the eve of the trade deadline with the two teams in this town being as lackluster as they are. One team has already waved the white flag on the season. The other team, if you just go by the eye test, it looks like they freaking waved the white flag. But you're kidding yourself into thinking that they're actually going to be able to do something this year. It is going to be a football-centric October in this city because it sure as hell isn't going to include the baseball teams, that's for sure. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. So realistically, I want to hear from the Yankee fan. I want to hear from the Yankee fan. What do you want to see happen over the next 22 hours and change? Remember, you don't have a lot of pieces that you're going to sell. Nobody wants this garbage. Maybe Glaber Torres. That's the name we've talked about, right? Young player, control, upside, the whole nine yards. There's some talk about maybe the Marlins being interested in him. That could be one direction. But realistically, buying, what is buying going to fix for this team? Their problems are way beyond just one simple trade. And you want to talk worst-case scenario? Did you hear what Buster Olney said a little while ago when he was on with the K-Show on what could happen if the Yankees don't make the playoffs this year? We'll talk about that as well. We'll get into the Mets. Jim Duquette join us at 745 to talk some trades. All the football. Will Dalvin be cooking in New York? The whole nine yards. I was out at Jet Camp today. We're back. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasser Show, we are live right here on 98.7 ESPN, kicking off the week. Hey, final day of July. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Yanks and Rays go top two with Tampa Bay up 2-0. Brandon Lau, a first inning two-run jack off of Johnny Brito. But talking Yankees, and look, I think that I've been pretty consistent with how I view this season for the Yanks and what they hope to accomplish realistically. Right now, current state of affairs, you're three and a half games out of a playoff spot. 
And the difference between the Yankees and the Mets in terms of what you're chasing, right, like among the myriad of issues that the Mets have to deal with here is that they had a bunch of teams they had to climb over to try to get back into the mix, and that was something that the front office felt was probably too much of an undertaking for them to be able to scale. Yankees only have one team between them and the, th- and the third wildcard spot, and that's the Boston Red Sox. But the Red Sox are playing really, really good baseball. And the offense has been lights out right. I mean, the Red Sox look like world beaters compared to the Yankees. They're not even in the same league, even though there's only a game that separates them in the standings. Red Sox have been way more consistent a baseball team. So you're three and a half games back, which, yes, it's not insurmountable. But has there been any sort of consistency that you've seen from this team over a long stretch of time to make you think that, yeah, they're going to be able to find their way all the way to the postseason? And here's the other question. You know, the Yankees, the history, the tradition, the culture, whatever you want to call it, the fan base, it's so ingrained in them that it's championship or bust. If you don't win a championship, if you don't get to the World Series, it's a loser's mentality that the rest of the season was absolutely a failure. Well, how about this? If you have a ball club right now that really isn't going to be scaring too many people and you just make the playoffs and you lose in the first round, is that a good season? Is it worth going all in, for example, to just make the playoffs and then get swept away in the first round in two games or three games or however long it takes? What do you have to gain from that? So the organization could go into the offseason and said, hey, we made the playoffs again. We had a successful season. We can't wait to reload and come back next year. Aaron Judge is going to be healthy. Carlos Rodon's going to be healthy. Blah, 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 blah. John Carlos Stanton's going to play more than 50 games. And, you, you know, like they're going to spin something to you, which is going to kind of lump you right back into this. The Yankees are trying to win a championship. And meanwhile, it's going on, what, 15 years without even getting to a World Series. So what does it benefit them just making the playoffs? Because, I mean, come on. I don't care if you sleep in pinstripe pajamas, if you see the world through Yankee-colored glasses. Do you really think right now, status quo, this is a championship-caliber team that if they found their way to the playoffs, that they could somehow go on a magical run based on what evidence that you have seen? And before I get to the phones, Buster Olney, who covers baseball, of course, for ESPN, does a good job. Buster was on with the K-Show earlier today. And the guys asked him, what would happen if the Yankees miss out on the playoffs altogether this year? What type of changes would be in store for the organization? Here's Buster's answer. I asked that question to people in the last 48 hours, and what I'm getting back is there would be a lot of frustration, there would be a lot of questions, there might be some deals made, but you would not see any significant changes. You know, I mean, Brian Cashman's in year one of a four-year contract, and Aaron Boone you know, is in the middle of a multi-year deal. If this was George's team and they don't make the playoffs this year, then somebody's gone. But Hal is so different than his dad. And it's not only that I think a lot of folks, they don't remember the not great stuff that George did as well. Hal is really respected within the organization. People right. love him in a way that I don't think George was loved. And I think part of that is that he doesn't overreact and he doesn't, uh, he's not impetuous. Mm-hmm. But I know that's going to frustrate a fan base so conditioned by but, what George did. Breaking news. Okay, on July the 31st of the year of our Lord, 2023. It's not George's team. Okay? I hate to break that news to you, everybody. It hasn't been George's team for a very, very long time. Even when it was George's team, those last couple of years, it wasn't George's team. So it's been a very, very long time. 
All right, I, I can't believe that that is still part of the vernacular when talking about the Yankees. You got to move past that. You have to. You must. Because the reality in the world that I'm living in and my feet are touching the ground, there's a new Yankees. And this Yankees hadn't been to the World Series, hadn't been to the dance, the show, whatever you want to call it, for about a decade and a half. Long, long time. 800-919-3776. We'll start it off with Aaron in the car. He is up next here on 9870 ESPN. Aaron, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Good evening, Dan. Shout out to the company. How you doing, man? Aaron, outstanding. Shout out to the company. Met a lot of those guys on Saturday at the softball. Outstanding. What is going on? No, I, I actually, I enjoyed meeting you, Dan. You super down to earth, dude. It was really cool. You know, chopped it up with us, took a picture with us and everything. Awesome. Um, big fan of yours, man. Good Thank stuff. you, brother. Um, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, just the, this Yankees team, it's, it's a very troubling time. I'm in, I'm in complete agreement with you, by the way. I think the fact that Judge is not in the lineup to at least be a DH and be a threat, you know, he, he's more than likely going to get pitched around or walk and going to try and make the other guys beat you, but at least you need the threat of his bat in the lineup. I think it was absolutely embarrassing that he wasn't in there. It showed a, a, a lack of um, a sense of urgency with, with the team. And as far as the trade, trade deadline is concerned, like, you think about it, you, t- you touch on a lot of these points. They don't really have a lot to sell right now. Like, nobody wants John Carlos Stanton. Nobody wants D.J. LeMayu, Anthony Rizzo, Rodon. Nobody wants those contracts. All you have is Glaber, and you're going to trade him for pay- pennies on the dollar. And then in terms of being buyers of the deadline, like, you have Anthony Volpe, and what are the prospects? Florio can't even make it up to the major leagues. You got Peraza, who came up for a little bit when Josh Donaldson got hurt, and then got sent right back down when Judge came back. I think they're stuck in no man's land, which is the worst possible place you could be, uh, you know, as, in terms of a franchise. And I think for the first time in my life, I am, I, I'm very eager for this Yankee season to end and for the Jets season to start. J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 baby. Aaron, I'm with you on that one, buddy. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. And, and I think that that's a good way to put it. They are kind of stuck in no man's land right now. You know, and, and the thing that I keep coming back to with the Yankees, they I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that the Yankees pinch pennies or anything like that. They don't, right? They invest money, and they pay players that they feel are going to be adequate and warrant big contracts and big salaries to help them win. All right, Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon. You know, Stanton was a little bit tricky, kind of fell into their laps a little bit, but, you know, they're paying that guy a lot of money. He has a big contract. Those are the guys that you have to point to and the ones that have to be your best players. It's not rocket science, right? You pay guys big money to go out there and produce. And have those guys done it significantly for this team this year? Have they? I think we know that answer. Like right now, you look at the Yankees, okay? Top six guys in terms of salary on their team for this year. Aaron Judge, $40 million. He's missed two months. Garrett Cole, $36 million. He's been great. Stanton, $32 million. Eh. Carlos Rodon, 22 and change. He's made four starts, and only one of them was good. Josh Donaldson, $21 million. I hear the calf is coming along nice. Anthony Rizzo, $17 million. He struck out five times last night. Okay, so right there, those are your six richest players in terms of what they're pulling in this year. How many of those guys are actually earning the money that the Yankees are investing in them? Tell me. Tell me. 
You know, Judge, you want to give a pass because he was injured, a flukish injury? Of course, and he's an MVP. I'm not putting this on Judge. But out of all those other names, Judge and Cole are the only two guys that have done anything to help the Yankees this year. So do the math. Two out of six that you're paying big money to, and those are the only ones pulling their weight. Should it really shock you that the Yankees right now are sitting in last place in the American League East and facing an uphill battle to do anything significant here in this 2023 baseball season? Not me. Not me. 800-919-3776. More calls. We'll sprinkle in the Mets situation, give you an update what's going on in Queens. Grasa Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. But I do want to be clear that it's not a rebuild. It's not a fire sale. It's not a liquidation. This is just a repurposing of... Uh, you know, Steve's investment in the club and kind of shifting that investment from the team into the organization. I like the selective use of vocabulary. As long as you put the prefix re, R-E, in front of a word, you could spin it any which way you want. But it essentially means the same thing, right? Whether you want to call it a rebuild, a repurpose. The repurpose I haven't heard that often in regards to changing up the furniture for a club you know retool is kind of the one that they use as a fallback if you don't want to come out and just be bold and say rebuild you say we retool like retool means we think we could be good maybe in a couple of years but we're going to make some moves now to help us get there a little bit faster even though there may be some painful steps along the way but that was Billy Epler at City Field yesterday after a series of trades that the Mets have made and essentially waving the white flag on the 2023 season, which you knew was inevitable. And quite frankly, I feel had to happen. Um, Saturday, we were at the softball game, the Sasso softball game. And I found out there that Scherzer had been traded. And I, I, I was very surprised. You know, last time we were on the air, we did the show Saturday morning. And I said then, I, 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 it would be great if they could, but I was little bit skeptical as to whether or not they could make that happen due to the amount of money that he still had on that contract. And then you throw Verlander's name into the mix as well. But herein lies, and this is where this is where we're going to breathe some optimism into the Met fans' lungs, okay? Because I know that it's been a difficult season for you. I get it, right? But here's where the optimism is going to come pouring out. Because Steve Cohen, and I understand that it blew up in their face. Richest payroll in the history of baseball. 
you got the richest owner in pro sports, and you thought that there's never going to be a player that you're going to be outbid for. There's never going to be a problem that the money wouldn't be able to fix until we found out this year that it was unfixable and that they were an older team and that they were a slow team and they had deficiencies up and down. And sometimes just the checkbook is not the way to climb your way out of this mess. But you know what? Now when you are selling off some of these pieces and you're admitting to the error of your ways, this is where having a rich owner comes into play and where you can flex your muscle. Because look, in the conventional sense, you cannot buy prospects, right? In baseball prospects, it's not like free agency. You can't just go and buy them like they're on the open market. You have to either draft, sign as international free agents when they're essentially like teenagers, or you trade for them. But in this sense, what the Mets did, at least with Texas, in getting Luis Angel Acuna is that they bought him. You know why? Because Max Scherzer was owed $58 million through next season. Steve Cohen, because he has money, decided to pick up $36 million of that remaining 58. So you kick in 36 of the 58, which is way more than half of that amount, and it allows you to buy a top 50 prospect in return. So essentially, Acuna cost about $36 million to get him from the Texas Rangers. If the Mets didn't kick in that much money, they probably weren't getting a prospect that was regarded as a top 50 in Major League Baseball. And believe it or not, they're saving money. Steve Cohen doesn't care, but they're actually saving money for next year. You save $9 million in salary by trading off Scherzer. In turn... You save $8 million on the luxury tax for this year. And then next season, when you add up both, you're saving about $16.5 million. So Steve Cohen saving next year, avoiding an additional $18 million in tax when the penalty rate goes up to over 100%. If you have that kind of money, you don't even know it's gone. But in a weird way, you're saving and you got yourself a player who you think down the road might be able to help you one day. Every dollar included in the trade, by the way, still counts against the luxury tax. You got to be mindful of that. But Steve Cohen doesn't care. All right? And look, Texas is desperate. It takes two to tango, and they became a willing partner. Why? Because we found out yesterday that Nathan Avaldi is going on the IL with a forearm strain. He'd been their best pitcher this year. Guy'd been an all-star. So, yeah, they didn't have DeGrom, but other guys have picked up the slack for them. But Evaldi was the best of the bunch. Now he's on the shelf. You don't know how long he's going to be out. And so the Rangers became way more desperate to go out there and get some arms. That's why they brought on Scherzer. That's why they traded for Jordan Montgomery, our old buddy from the St. Louis Cardinals. They got to get as many arms as possible. And you got an owner down there who, I don't know if he's as rich as Steve Cohen. Nobody's as rich as Steve, but this guy spends money. Remember, he gave $500 million last offseason to Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. He gave Jacob DeGrom, who was Tommy John surgery waiting to happen, $185 million. They gave Nathan Avaldi a whole bunch of money, close to $100 mil. He wants to win. He's got a relatively new ballpark. He wants to give these fans something that they can actually bask in so where more revenue is coming in. Add all that up, they were able to dump Scherzer on somebody. And you know what? We'll see if it comes true. You know, Scherzer tried. I'm not going to sit here and say that Scherzer was a bad Met, but look, you're going to be remembered for the big games you pitched. And the two biggest games that Max Scherzer pitched as a New York Met, 
both at the tail end of last year, the series down in Atlanta, where all they had to do was win one freaking game that would have essentially given them the division, and he pitched terribly, and so did DeGrom and so did Bassett, by the way, in that series. And also, in the playoff game against the San Diego Padres, he got shelled in game number one. Shelled. Those are the two games that are going to stand out with Max Scherzer's time as a Met. You can throw the win-loss record out the window, all the other things, what he's done in his career. Bottom line is what they brought him in here to do, he did not do on the field. You can talk about the locker room, behind the scenes, the work ethic, the professionalism. That's all well and good. And I'm not sitting here trying to dispute any of those things to be true. The guy's a pro. That's why he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But you as the Met fan... I don't think you care too much about all that stuff behind the scenes. Because if you want to talk about professionalism and work ethic and all those things and how you hope it translates onto the baseball field, guys, they're 50 and 55 and they're selling off. So how would it really translate onto the field? Am I right or am I wrong? And now the question is, who's next? Right? Do they stop when? Mark Canna got sold to Milwaukee earlier this afternoon? No-brainer. Tommy Pham, Justin Verlander, you're up next, right? It's like I'm sitting here, Bob Barker on The Price is Right, and you got Tommy Pham in the audience, Justin Verlander's on the audience. We'll wait to see if they announce their names. Then they come running up to the stage and they play Plinko. I'm kind of torn about the Verlander situation, and he's still got a couple of more years after this. Vesting options in that second year down the road, which would be, what, 2025. Problem with Verlander is this. Obviously, he does the Mets no good for the rest of the season. And I don't care how well he's pitched the last couple of times out, right? You know, it's against the White Sox and it was against the crummy Washington Nationals. That's great, right? It's not going to make any difference. It's not going to make a dent for the remainder of the season. But you're all running a business. You still have to field a team next year. And look, the Mets are not going to be a team projected to win 100 games next season. I think we can all agree on that. Can they be competitive? Sure. We've seen teams come out of nowhere and have good seasons. I mean, there have been a couple of great stories this year in Major League Baseball. But you still have to field a rotation. And you got Senga. And do you put Verlander at the top of the rotation to where at least you have those two known quantities? I just don't like the fact of having to replace so many arms from one year to the next in a starting rotation. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, that's what the Mets did after last year coming into this season, and how the hell did that work out for them? Where they said goodbye to DeGrom, goodbye to Bassett, goodbye to Taiwan Walker, and replaced them with Senga, Verlander, and Quintana. And they're five games under five hundred. I don't want to think about what that scenario would be like for 2024. This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grossa Show, 98.7 ESPN. Trade deadline less than 24 hours away. Mets making a bunch of moves. We'll see if the Yankees do anything between now and 6 p.m. tomorrow. And to help us answer some of those questions and more. We bring on our next guest. He is, of course, the former Mets GM. You hear him on MLB Network Radio. You see him on SNY. He is our good pal, Jim Duquette. Mr. Jim, how are you, buddy? What's up, Dan? How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Fun time of the year, I'm sure, for all of us that follow the sport. Wait to oh, see right. what else happens between now and tomorrow. And there has been a lot that has taken place already here. How about the Mets? Let's start there. First off, how surprised are you 
That not that they traded Max Scherzer, but they found a willing participant that was able to actually give them something of value in return. I think I'm a little I'm a little surprised at both. I'm surprised that they traded him because it means they didn't think he was going to be a part of their 2024 season. And I know he hasn't pitched great, but listen, I think he's going to figure it out, you know, and he probably will figure it out in Texas. But um, so so I'm, I'm a little surprised at that. But I'm also surprised. Listen, it was not cheap buying that prospect. It cost him 35 million bucks. Like that is a lot of money. Yeah. But in the end, I give I give ownership credit for being willing to take back a good portion of that money. And, you know, they saved about, what, 22 and a half next year. So that's not insignificant at all. So I think in the end, I think we're, you know, in New York, we're going to love the guy that got back, you know. I mean, his old man, his uh, Ronald Sr., played for me when I was the farm director and uh, back, back in the late 90s there. And uh, they missed out on Junior. So why not go for the other son and see if that one works out? <laughs> it's like it's like picking <laughs> pick, pick Acuna out of a hat, whether it's senior, junior, yeah. the brother. We'll see. Hopefully, they strike yeah. gold with this one because yeah. uh, older it's brothers, like the Manning brothers, good. yeah, like the Manning it, it, brothers. I hope that one of them isn't Cooper. You know, I mean, it's like, come on, we we you gotta have two hall, potential Hall of Famers right there, right? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, it's not Greg and Mike Maddox, if you know what I'm talking about. But right. you know, never, ne- yeah, right. ne- yeah ne- nevertheless. Now, okay. So you look at next year, like you said, they didn't think that Scherzer was going to be part of the team, of course, for next year. Do you stop now if you're the Mets, and do you now move Verlander, or do you maybe look more towards 2024 and just trying to staff a rotation? Well, I, I think there's a couple things. Like if you if you look at their 24 rotation with Verlander in it, it it's a it's a competitive rotation. Like you you probably wouldn't need to go out and spend a ton of money to get another one of those starters. You know, there's, there's a decent amount of starters. You could kind of sit back and let the market come to you and, you know, go get maybe a James Paxton or Michael Lorenzen or somebody who's, you know, a good number three or four, maybe a number four starter and, you know, and go, go at it again and, and, you know, maybe make a trade at the deadline. Right. So, so that's like a legit strategy and one that would work. But I'm hearing a lot of smoke around Justin Verlander right now. And so, like, I start to wonder if because of the the take that they got on Scherzer and the asking price should be higher for Verlander because he's been pitching better. Um, But if they just, you know, and they're listening on any of these, I think, short-term guys that aren't under control, you know, beyond 2024, that's what you're supposed to do anyway. But Verlander in particular has been a lot of interest yeah, uh, you know, and and so when I hear hmm, the Dodgers might be interested, mm-hmm. or the Astros, and those are two teams that he's had interest in in the past from a free agent side of things, it gets my attention. And you know, the Dodgers have plenty of different prospects that could fill the needs of the Mets. I'm not suggesting that I would do it, but it wouldn't surprise me in the end if they did. So I think the next 22 hours it's going to be fascinating here in New York because. The Yankees still haven't done a thing yet. Talking trades with our pal Jim Duquette here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, let's get to the Yankees. They had a rough weekend in Baltimore. Last night was laughable, as everybody knows, on a a variety of fronts. And I know they have that excuse that, you know, no Aaron Judge for a couple of months. But, 
you know, it's not like they had as steep a hill to climb as the Mets did. There's only one team between them and that last playoff spot, so it's not like it's insurmountable. But to me, Jim, they haven't right. really passed the eye test this year. So, I, I mean, if you're if you're Brian Cashman right, right now, are, are, are you making a move? Are you a buyer before tomorrow? Because even if you get into the playoffs, do you really have faith that this team has what it takes to go deep into October? Here's the thing, right? So if, I agree with you. It doesn't pass the eye test. And if it doesn't pass the eye test for us, you can bet that they – maybe they don't quite think like that, but they're pretty – attuned to to you know how good or or not so much this team is so they're not going to chase you know a high profile guy not not that there's a lot left but they're not going to chase a high profile guy i think they if they're going to do something they'll they'll add a you know an outfield piece maybe maybe fam or you know somebody like that it's not going to move the needle all that much much for yankee fans but it would help them um you know, maybe they go get a, a pitcher, like a relief pitcher. They actually could use a starter, but, the, you know, getting starters isn't cheap right now on the market, so I don't th- see them doing that. And I think that they just, you know, just see, ride it out and see because, you know, when Cortez comes back, he's impact. When Judge is playing full-time, he's impact. You know, I think their big moves are getting those guys healthy and hopefully getting them on track. And I just don't – I think we're going to be underwhelmed by what the Yankees do to, by tomorrow. Now, you, you mentioned um, Nestor coming back. I was talking about this earlier, and look, I mean, after what Severino's been, and, and last night the latest example, I mean, the word that I use is non-competitive, even though I guess that's a hyphenated word. Yeah. Non-competitive. Is, yep. is he the guy that's the odd man out once you have to find a spot in the rotation? Oh, I think so, yeah. I mean, we'll see how long Armand's out. You know, he obviously is out tonight. Um, you know, they, they, they just keep having bad news after bad news, right? The armpit. So, um, so, you know, I, I, to me, I think that Severino's the guy, you know, the interesting thing. So, so I was talking to Alex Cora on my show today on Sirius and, um, you know, he brought up a really good point. Obviously Red Sox have, I think in some ways overachieved comparatively where the expectations are. And, and some of these teams around the league, the Giants in particular, like they piece together. They're, they have guys that pitch like three innings at a time, and then they flip over the bullpen and they try another guy, a guy for two or three innings. You know, the Yankees don't do that very often, and I feel like they have the the, the, the staff where, like in Severino's case, that might be a way to resurrect his season. Is give him one time through the lineup after an opener. And and then get him out of there on a high note and see if he can build some confidence back because he's pitching at you know all time low right now his confidence. So I, I I mean I'm still hopeful, especially watching him you know a couple of years ago like we we saw what he pitched out of the bullpen like that was legit stuff there. Everything ticked up. He, he's, he's throwing a really good change up on top of that. So maybe in shorter spurts. Right now, it might be good for Severino to kind of get him back on track. I don't know. I'm kind of curious how they're going to handle this situation. Yeah, you got to do some, you know, ego massaging, if you will, you know, with the confidence. I agree with you 100%. That's a big part of this thing right now. Um, We really haven't seen at least what I would term and most people would term a blockbuster, despite all the moves that have been made here over the last few days. Do you think we will see something like that around the league before 6 o'clock tomorrow? Well, Scherzer's the closest thing just because of name recognition and name brand and, you know, future Hall of Famer. 
I think it really depends on are we going to see Verlander move? That would be, I think, a, you know, big, big, you know, tension grabber. Um, outside of that, like, I don't see another Juan Soto type deal. Obviously, Otani would have been the huge, the biggest name that he's not going anywhere. So I think you're going to see you know, there's a lot of teams right now that haven't done anything. Boston, I don't think the Giants have done anything. Cubs just finally did. Uh, you know, Padres, I think they made a move or two now. You know, I've kind of been on the phone here for a bit, so I lost track. And I, think, I think they did something. You know what I mean? So, so, But there's all these teams. Houston, all they've done is a relief pitcher. Um, Philadelphia hasn't done anything. Yankees haven't done anything. Like, there's all these high-profile teams that have done nothing, and I expect them to do something by tomorrow at 6. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. for me, you know, there's a bunch of activity today, but I think you're going to see a lot more tomorrow. All right, last thing, and, and we'll go back to the, the words of Billy Epler when he was meeting the media yesterday. You know, he didn't want to use the word rebuild. Instead, he said repurposing for 2024. Yeah. Right now, and it's impossible yeah. to know what the offseason is going to have in store with free agency, trades, this and that, but right now, to a man, how do you think the Mets will be viewed come 2024? Is this a winning team? Is it a 500 or above team? Like, what, what do you think the Mets' plans are for next year? Well, let me just say that the, the the term repurpose, I hope they didn't pay big money for that. Um, I'm not a fan of it. So I said. Whatever they, whoever came up with that, it wasn't the greatest, you know, Miracle Mets uh, moniker that we, uh, that we know and love or anything. So, um, but I, yeah, listen, they're going down this road, and I think they're at, at a full-out sale mode, as I think they should be. But they'll be back into the mix of things. I don't know if Otani is going to sign here or not, right? I think they'll make a little run out of him, but I, I think you know, keep hearing that he wants to stay on the West Coast. So if that's the case, you know, they've got some work to do uh, to replace whatever they trade. And as we've seen this year, you know, their pen, even with Diaz coming back, isn't going to be good enough. So they're going to need, and they're going to need an offensive piece. So there's a lot of listing that they got to do next year. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah, and we'll see if they can maybe make some inroads here over the next 24 hours. We shall see. Nevertheless, it should be interesting, though. Jim, I know you're busy. Thanks for a couple, my friend. Enjoy the next couple of days. Should be fun as a baseball fan. Should be fun. Yep, we'll talk to you soon, Dan. See ya. All right, be good. There's our buddy Jim Duquette. And and again, with the repurposing thing, it's great. Like that, That could be like the motto for the Mets next year for 2024. That could be like the marketing and the ticket sales department. Mets baseball 2024 repurposing, right? Like back in the eighties, they had like baseball, like it ought to be catch the rising stars. For those who remember that the 2024 Mets repurposing, get your tickets. Now this is the Dan Grasso show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>